This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. Thank you for being with us. This show is, in my view, upfront, up close, and innovative. Amber Mack began her spectacular tech trek in San Francisco during the dot-com boom in the late 1990s. She spent the next four years in the startup trenches before joining Microsoft, where she built one of the first-ever female-focused lifestyle portals. In 2006, Amber Mack took the business plunge with her brother. They founded their own digital agency. Guess who was her first client? World-renowned business coach Tony Robbins. So I'd like to at this point say, and the rest is history, but Amber Mack is still making history with her leading-edge, fearless, and focused approach to technology. From a little girl in a two-room country schoolhouse sharing a party telephone line with her neighbors to one of the most successful innovation and technology leaders, Amber MacArthur, president of Amber Mac Media Inc., joins us in conversation. So great to have you with us, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to hear your voice. Well, humble roots, really. As I was diving into your background and your life, you were raised on Prince Edward Island, And you didn't have really anything at your disposal that you do today. The world really wasn't as technologically advanced as it is today. What was it like growing up on PEI? It was as wonderful as I think people probably imagine. You know, Prince Edward Island is such a a beautiful place, and I grew up in the country, and there wasn't a lot going on, but I had a a huge family who loved me, and I spent a lot of time on my own, and uh, it allowed you to be curious. Uh, It also allowed you to be creative, because you really had to make your own fun at the time, and so I think for me, it was just a really solid, humble foundation uh, in terms of what I've been able to do and what I've been able to build. And it's still very near and dear to my heart in terms of my roots there. You know, when I was a little girl, and I'm a few decades older than you, I put two Dixie cups and a string between the two of them and built my first telephone. What did you do that gave you the idea that you may have some interest in technology that was still to come? Well, this is something I've really not talked a lot about, but uh, when I was in high school, my mom actually taught computers, and and this was many, many years ago, and uh, it was not very common for people to take computer classes, let alone for a woman to be teaching a computer night school to adults, and so I think I really had the advantage of seeing my mom learn how to use a computer on her own because my dad is not so tech savvy, and for me, that just made it seem possible that I would be able to go into the technology space and there really wouldn't be a limit on what I could potentially do. So I had a great role model at home in my mom, and she's always one of those people, even today at uh, 78 years old, she doesn't know how to fix something, whether it's a refrigerator or a computer. She goes online, she watches tutorials, and she figures it out. And I very much lived and, and breathed that sense of curiosity throughout my life. And did you have that confidence in being a woman when you entered the world of technology? It was a you know pretty raw and uh, uncharted waters uh, when you were in your first job uh, during the dot-com boom. 
I think it was definitely something that uh, I recognize would be a barrier for me in terms of there not being a lot of women in the tech space, especially uh, eventually as I started reporting on the tech space. Uh, there were none that I knew of at the time. And so I knew there were going to be limitations. And in fact, uh, at my very first job uh, hosting a technology program, a daily program on G4 Tech TV, which was a cable TV network at the time, I hosted with uh, two co-hosts, uh, and um, they each had their own sets. And when I came on to the show, they said, you know what, Amber, we're going to put you in the corner on this little couch, and you're going to answer the phone calls that come in. And I was like, mm, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm not answering the phone calls that come in. I will join the show if I have an equal set uh, in this space along with my two male co-hosts. So from a very early age, I had to really learn that you have to fight for what you want. And I was stubborn. And, you know, growing up in PEI, my only real role model at that time, aside from my mom, was Anne of Green Gables, who was uh, full of lots of spunk. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say, and you are too, even to this day. So let's move forward a little bit. You and your brother open up your own digital agency. Your first client, holy moly, Tony Robbins. How does that happen? Well, this is actually a great story that I haven't told a, a lot uh, about, uh, and you'll appreciate this, because uh, when I was working as a, a new media specialist at City TV, I had a chance to interview Tony Robbins for a segment that I was doing. He was coming to town, and then one of his partners said, you know what, Amber, Tony would really like to meet with you and talk further about you advising him on the social media front, but the only time he has is between his flight from Toronto to London, Ontario on his private jet. Would you be open to flying with him, and then we'll fly you back to Toronto? Uh, and here I am thinking, okay, this is an amazing opportunity, but I was terrified to fly. I hated flying. Nonetheless, I got on the plane, had a, an hour-long meeting with him, and we really hit it off, and then we started working together. So I can be thankful to my uh, time as a new media specialist in terms of that introduction. Let's talk about your world as it is today. And you have a great partner in Chris, and it's someone that I know well from my time at City TV. You have an amazing son, Connor. You have decided that, and from what I've read about you, that that work and home life have to be absolutely equal, if not more so with the work part of it, but you're at home, so you're there for your family if and when they need you. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I, I think one of the things that has probably been the hardest thing, and I know a lot of in women in business and, and who have professional careers feel the same way, is just figuring out how to balance your home life and your family life with your work life. And so it's a little bit different with us because Chris is also a partner in the business. He does all of our video production. And so we're always uh, tag teaming. And, and I probably don't give him enough credit because I, I think at the end of the day, when it comes to being able to manage a business and uh, raise a family, it's so important that you have a really strong partner who is looking out for you. And, and Chris has always been that person to me from the time we used to shoot together at City TV and go out on stories to today. You know, we are very much uh, a team and uh, we met that way and we continue to live that way today. Connor was born into your world, which was already up and running in terms of advanced technology and innovation. How is he when it comes to that part of your life is he super smart when it when it comes to the internet and and any advanced technology ai anything that would interest you does it interest him he 
loves technology and he loves computers and he's super savvy. None of this is probably a big shock, but um, he he definitely has a, an appreciation for technology and he's beyond uh, years in terms of understanding how technology works. You know, there are times where I think after watching hacker movies and series, I don't want him to end up being one of those people because he tends to get a little bit uh, mischievous when it comes to technology in the home. So uh, he has uh, definitely uh, uh, learned a lot from us along the way and uh, it's interesting to have a, a child in the house you know he's 12 years old now and watching him use technology and thinking how far beyond he is with his understanding of technology and the influence that's going to have on him for the rest of his life so he is one of those kids who is growing up with technology from the time he was born and, and that's going to be a very different future than what I knew and he doesn't keep it to himself I understand he has a podcast at 12 years of age he really does everything. He did his first live TV segment when he was five or six. Um, you know, I offered to come on set with him and said, you know, I'll come with you. He's like, Mom, I'm good. You just move over there. <laughs> he's learned a lot from uh, both of us over the years. And he's confident. And, um, again, I think he's got this, this innate curiosity that both Chris and I have from coming from the news business. And uh, it's been just a, a total joy watching him grow. Um, this is a difficult time for all children. So I recognize, you know, doing virtual school, there are challenges there as well. But uh, we are sort of all hands on deck and, and doing our best just like other families. Hands on and hands off as well. You know, Amber, I realize you co-authored an Amazon bestseller, Outsmarting Your Kids Online. Now, was that before Connor, early Connor, or close to now Connor? <laughs> That was um, early, Connor. And one of the reasons I wrote that book is because I was always getting questions and still do today from parents who are really struggling to understand technology and the impact it will have on their lives. And um, I think also, and it, it's true to say that historically with technology, tech people have kind of kept knowledge to themselves. I'm thinking about um, IT managers and some of my uh, early jobs where they would tell you, okay, I'm going to fix their computer, you go get a coffee. And I learned after years that all they were doing was restarting the computer, right? So there is this tendency <laughs> to keep knowledge to yourself. So one of the things I've always tried to do in my career is to share knowledge and writing that book to help parents was part of that. Because I really resent this idea that knowledge should be something that people should keep to further themselves. It should be something that all of us really leverage together to better our families and our society as well. You and I first met at City TV, and one of the things that struck me about you was your kindness and your generosity. I said to you point blank, Amber, I am a Luddite. I am useless when it comes to anything to do with the Internet, with technology. And you took me gently by the hand, figuratively speaking, and you made it easy for me. And you made it so that I wasn't embarrassed asking you questions. How is it that you're able to contain so much information and so much detail, but you're able to disseminate some of that information so that I can understand it. I, I think one of the reasons is that uh, I've also had to go on my own journey in terms of not necessarily being born with technology, but to learn along the way. So I have a lot of empathy when it comes to helping people who also don't necessarily have that background in technology. So it's always been important to me to be accessible and to be helpful uh, because I know a lot of people have also helped me along the way. And so, uh, again, I like this idea of, of demystifying things for people, making things feel really simple. And I don't know if I was born with this, but I've always believed that I can learn almost anything. 
And uh, maybe that's naive, but uh, I do believe that people have the capacity to learn a lot more than they give themselves credit for. And so for me, it's just about having that right guide along the way to be able to help them in a kind way. I read everything on your website. It's really well put together, by the way. Best-selling author, keynote speaker, award-winning podcaster, and so much more. You've moderated sessions with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, astronaut Chris Hadfield, former FBI Director James Comey. What was that like for you? These are people that many of us will never meet and are in awe of or are politically maybe not inclined to be in awe of them. Well, you know, I, I think that, um, first of all, I will say that for all of those people that you listed, as well as many more, before I go to do those interviews, I feel quite nauseous <laughs> in terms of uh, definitely uh, being anxious about uh, getting on stage or on shows and, and interviewing these individuals who have incredible uh, credentials. So I would say that it, it's, it's both nerve-wracking, but thankfully I've always been one to over-prepare and get through some of these times. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm afraid of, Anne. And I think like many people, um, there's a lot of fear uh, in my life in terms of doing certain things. I think the only difference is that um, I hate that fear so much that I work really hard to be able to overcome it. And so in those interviews with those individuals, I think it's one thing where I just say, you know what, this is a bigger opportunity than my little piece of fear. And I always try to be able able to really overcome those feelings I have of being anxious uh, and feeling as though maybe I don't belong on those stages. You strike me as an all or nothing person. I realize on a personal note that you had an issue with alcohol and you have been sober since 2001. Congratulations. That is 20 years sober. Can you explain a little bit about that? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I grew up, as we've talked about, on the East Coast, and this is very common for people out East. They're really all across the country where you've probably had family members who were alcoholics or family members who had been killed because of alcohol. Uh, I don't need to go into the list of people in my life, but I'm talking, you know, my mom lost her brother when he was uh, a late teen on his graduation day. I've had other families um, who have been involved in, in many type of really devastating situations because of alcohol, uh, whether it's drinking and driving or, or illness. And so for me, it felt at a young age that I had lost just so many people to alcohol and no one was talking about it. And so in my early 20s, I recognized that I was on this path of really just um, using alcohol like a shield and allowing me to feel more comfortable in social situations. And my boyfriend at the time recognized that I was doing that and he, he actually dared me to go a month without drinking. And um, because I am stubborn, <laughs> I agreed to do it. And I kept a journal and every day I just wrote about how good I felt and every day I felt better. And then I started getting into health and fitness and I just never drank again. So for me, I just had to have someone believe that there was a version of me that didn't involve alcohol. And, and he did that for me. And it's been a huge game changer in my life. And it sounds like you believe in yourself more than ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, confidence comes with age. And so uh, when I met you way back at City TV, every day was terrifying for me. And you were always so kind. So I thank you for that, as well as Tina, uh, who I know you work with now. So uh, I, I just will say that, you know, age is a wonderful thing. Sometimes it gives us confidence and um, makes us feel as though we belong. And I think that's the journey, like many people that I've been on. Speaking of age, what are we looking at in terms of the new age? What is on the horizon that you know about, technologically speaking, and we don't? 
Well, I think one of the things that keeps me up a little bit at night is the fact that uh, when we talk about emerging technologies, particularly around artificial intelligence and automation, I worry about the future of work. And uh, I know people do talk about this future. That means that up to 50% of jobs across the country will be at risk in some part in terms of being affected by emerging technologies, uh, whether it's new software that can replace them or machines or robots that can put, replace part of their jobs. And I just wish we were having this conversation more often because I don't believe that we are necessarily prepared for that future that right now is on our doorstep, especially with tech in a a state of acceleration during COVID-19. Amber MacArthur, Amber Mack, I can't thank you enough for joining us in conversation. What a great slice of time with you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to chat with you again. From Tech Talk to TikTok, that's next. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Wild, Wave Wild. Yeah, her name alone is a standout. Wave Wild is a TikTok marketing expert and coach, digital content creator, and social media marketer whose main goal is to help her clients smarten up and stand out. Quote, I take you from a clueless newbie to a TikTok superstar. Gotta love that. Wave Wild from Wave Wild Media joins us now in conversation. Thanks so much for being here. What a great name, by the way. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Wave, what was it that drew you to TikTok in the first place? Yeah, for sure. So at the beginning of the pandemic, TikTok got really popular. And at that same time, I quickly decided to pivot my business because I was doing photography and video services. And I had to stop doing those that services and had to refund clients, that sort of thing. So I was looking for another way to start generating some leads for my personal brand coaching business. And I got on TikTok from the recommendation of a friend, did not know what I was doing, posting random content, and I had some semi-viral videos and started to gain traction there and generate some leads. And I started talking about that with my Instagram audience. And they started asking me questions like, how do you do this on TikTok? How are you using it? How does it work? And I had a light bulb moment and thought, you know, I could actually teach this to business owners because I was teaching a lot of Instagram and social media strategy to my photography and personal brand clients. And it just, a lot of those strategies do work for TikTok as well. And I saw a lot of potential there. And uh, that's how it kind of all started. I just fell in love with the platform, uh, got a little bit addicted, and now I eat, sleep, and breathe TikTok. Yes, you do. And so let me ask you this. How does TikTok enhance a business? How can you put the two together? Yes. Well, one of the main appeals of TikTok is the organic reach or the amount of discoverability that you can get. It still uh, allows you to get more exposure than any other social media platform. So you can build an audience quite quickly. You can generate leads, reach new people, um, and sell products and services. So if it's so complicated that it needs to be 
coached, I guess. I mean, you need someone like you to help people like me figure it out. How is it that it's working to generate interest in businesses if it's so complicated to figure out? <laughs> TikTok is is a, a beast and it is a little bit of a learning curve, but I actually teach um, more of a community over virality approach. Now on TikTok, there's a lot of focus on going viral and getting uh, TikTok famous overnight where, you know, for a business owner, it's a lot more smarter to build community, uh, to nurture your audience, to get to know your followers, to treat them more than just a number. So that is something that I focus on with my clients, I developed a method called the ideal follower attraction method because it's more valuable to attract ideal followers who actually engage with your content and want to buy your products and services rather than go viral, which often attracts all kinds of different people. And you say that very clearly on your website. In fact, you talk about the right followers as well. So how do you find and keep the right followers? Definitely. So first of all, you need to know who you want to attract. Who do you want as a follower? Who do you want to connect with? Who are your products and services for? That's step one. Uh, and if you don't know that, I can help you with that. Uh, and step two is, yeah, how, to, how to find them on the app. There's several different ways you can do that through your content, through hashtag strategies. Uh, but those are the two main ways. You offer many things, including courses. There's TikTok 101. There's TikTok 102, Mm -hmm. understanding the algorithm, growth tips, live stream 101, ways to monetize your account, and how to use hashtags. I find that fascinating. Can you elaborate? For sure. So hashtags uh, only do two things on TikTok. The first thing they do is they help to categorize your content. That is very similar to Instagram. So when you post a video with a hashtag, you can go to that hashtag and you will see videos ranked using that hashtag. The other thing they do is they help to tell the algorithm who to show your content to. So it's very important to use relevant content specific hashtags that describe you and what your content is about so that it reaches more of the right audience who will watch it. Can you give me an example of, other than you and your business, of a business success because of TikTok and because of your creativity and your coaching? Oh, gosh. I have so many examples. Uh, So I had um, a client last week. She has 14,000 Oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. There's so many of them. (laughs) Okay, one, a past student last week. Uh, she made a video that got 2.2 million views and got her over 100,000 followers. Very proud of her. And she attracted ideal followers because she's a food blogger and a chef and her content is all about recipes. And she's now been contacted by um, all kinds of influencer agencies. She just signed um, a rather large influencer contract. So she's able to monetize her account now. She's talking to book publishers. She's getting more media exposures. It's just, it's blown up for her. So I'm super proud of her. I have other clients. Uh, One of them in particular had 400,000 followers and she was not doing very well with her account. She, she could not make, she could not sell any products because she kept going viral for making what we call oddly satisfying videos on TikTok, which is like slow motion of lip gloss. And she was trying to sell makeup and lip gloss beauty products. Uh, With her, we completely rebranded her account. Uh, relaunched it with a whole different strategy. She's now at 30,000 followers and like killing it, um, making money selling her products. 
So, Wave, tell me about the demographics of people on TikTok who are are seeing great things happening for their businesses, again, because of your successful Midas Touch. Are we talking about people under the age of 50, under the age of 60? Are we talking mostly women? Are men involved in this as well and, and catapulting their businesses mm-hmm. beyond belief? Yeah, so there are um, more women users than men on the app. But I will say in charge of demographics, uh, it, it's all over the place now. Yes, there is still a high percentage of young users under 20, uh, but there's a lot of millennials and older users as well, 40s and in their 50s. There's even famous grandmas on TikTok. (laughs) So, you know, with COVID and the pandemic, a lot of people came to the app as a way to, you know, for other entertainment sources and a way to connect uh, with other people. And that's when the app really grew and exploded in popularity and attracted a much larger audience than just Gen Z. Let's talk about you. So were you always this savvy when it comes to technology? Uh, maybe a little bit. You know, I did photography for many years, so I have experience with cameras and computers, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, in the past few years, I would say three to four years, uh, you know, I took a lot of courses in digital marketing and social media marketing and the personal branding since that was my niche of photography. Uh, you know, specifically working with entrepreneurs and businesses to create content to help them promote themselves through social media. So that's kind of where I got a little bit more savvy and really learned uh, my marketing skills and and technology. And I just keep learning as I go. I love to learn. So it's really good to stay curious, um, be always learning and improving um, what you do, right? Like TikTok is my life. (laughs) Every day I'm thinking about how can I improve and get better uh, and be even more savvy and help more people. So you're great when it comes to all of this and and it's technology at its finest and its devices and it's following trends and creating trends. What about, and it's part of the the appeal, I think, of this show in conversation, what about the one-on-one? I know we haven't been face-to-face through the pandemic, but when we are face-to-face again or before the pandemic, what's that like for you to actually be in physical contact with somebody communicating? That's really interesting because most of my TikTok videos occur in my office and I rarely go outside Hmm. uh, because it's been like that for such a year, like for so long. Um, You know, I still, I'm talking to people all the time. Most of my days, I am constantly talking to people, whether it's clients, people on social media, my followers, answering questions in my Facebook group uh, is a very active place. So I don't feel like it's too different because I've actually met more people and more people globally. I've made friends all over the world. And that's something I love about TikTok as well. It's connected me with some really, really great people who I would love to meet in person one day. You have a tremendous following. Can we talk some numbers right now in terms of you and your ideal followers? Sure. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah, um, I have over 200,000 followers on TikTok. But again, it's <laughs> uh, it's more about the community, right? So the people that I, you know, my jam is really helping brands and business owners use the app as a social media marketing tool to generate more leads, money, and impact in the world. That is my goal. Um, I do attract a lot of other people as well. I have worked with a lot of pet accounts. Um, those are huge on TikTok. I've worked with entertainers, comedians, puppet accounts, 
uh, yeah, teaching people to really create community. You are leading edge. You are cutting edge. Wave Wild, Wave Wild Media. Thank you for joining us in conversation. Thank you so much, Anne. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Wave Wild and Amber Mack, both helping us to better navigate technology. Thank you for that. Bye for now. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.